0: My name is Mike, welcome, I'm one of the pastors here, or what I should probably say is, I'm the PG-13 pastor here, because whenever there's one of these messages, for some reason, I'm the guy who does it. But today, we are going to continue in the Swipe Right series, talking about love and relationships, and uh, I'll start out with a confession. When I was in high school, and I just started in the high school ministry at my church, I, you know, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't come to Christ until I was a teenager myself. So when I started attending, I have to confess that I got there and there were just like all these girls. And I thought, wow, I must be in the right place. Thanks, God. But in reality, the problem, and I'm being perfectly honest with you here, I found that I was more worried about finding a girl than I was about growing to be more like Christ. So that's not really a good thing, and I, I will confess that that was me for a while. I didn't really turn around. One year at summer camp, and we were kind of having this moment up in the Great Smoky Mountains, and somebody was playing Amazing Grace on a trumpet, and there was fog rolling in along the mountaintop, and I started to think, you know, maybe it's time for me to get my priorities straight. And I tell you this for a couple of reasons. One, because of today's message. And two, because sign your kids up for camp. Okay? Because it's true. It makes such a huge difference. All right? I know they've got a lot of sports and band camps. And I'm sure they're all going to be professional athletes and musicians. But maybe this might be important too. So that's your free plug. Okay. So my problem, though, then, was that I was focused on the right thing. Or the wrong thing. And I thought, I was because I was focused on finding the right one, that I would find happiness that way, but I was going about it the wrong way. I'm giving this talk today honestly because I hear and read and have lived some stories that are heartbreaking. Marriage stories about things that just didn't work out. I'm also doing this because I want all of us to be happy and fulfilled in our relationships, whether we're single, dating, Married wherever you are Crossroads is presenting this series because to be perfectly honest, sometimes churches don't do the best job of Ministering to single people and we want to make sure that we don't do that here But finally, I would say that even if you're here today and you are married There's a lot of practical truth that you can apply to your relationship so This message today is for everyone first It's directed to men and women who see dating as hopefully the means to find the love of their lives. So if that's you, this is for you. Also, if you're here and you're living together and contemplating marriage, hopefully there will be some things in this message that actually help you think about making that decision. And finally, if you're here today and you're kind of a recreational dater, maybe you're a player, You know who you are. You know, your dating life is about physicality. Okay, and if someone says, well, we need to define the relationship, that usually means that's the end of the relationship. Okay, well, if that's you, you might be thinking, this isn't going to be relevant for me. But hold on, it just might be. So I encourage you and everyone else, please take out your outline from your program and follow along. Because I think there are helpful things no matter where you are in your life, whether you're single and looking, single and playing games, or married already. All right, here we go. When you decide to settle down, and I hope that you do someday, it's awesome. It really is. But I want everybody here to know that when you do decide to settle down, your past will be there to settle down with you. Your past will be there to settle down with you. You see, our pasts, especially wounds and intimacies from our past relationships, have a tendency to hang around even when they're unwanted. The past doesn't stay in the past. As much as Rafiki says that it should, it must be dealt with. Now, Melissa explained this perfectly last week. And if you missed last week, I really encourage you, go to the website and listen to Melissa's message on dealing with your past because it's fantastic and it applies to every single person. Just know, and this is important, please write this down, the actions you take in dating relationships today, relationally, emotionally, and physically, will impact your marriage tomorrow. So why not take steps in your relationships now to make sure that when you get to marriage, it will be its best. Or let me explain it this way, and I will make this sentence extra confusing so that it sounds deep and meaningful. Ready? When it comes to dating and marriage, the present will be your past, but it will be present in your future. Everybody got that? When it comes to dating and marriage, the present, that means right now, what you're doing right now, It's going to be your past eventually, but it will still be present in your future. Let that sink in. You don't get to select which parts of the previous chapter to take into the next. Your entire story sticks with you. So what you're doing now is going to follow you around. This is true in all of life and definitely true when it comes to dating and then eventually marriage. Now here's some good news, everybody, great news. There's no such thing as a marriage problem. Got it? Married people, raise your hands if you agree with that statement. (laughs) Yes, of course, it's a trick question. See, don't misunderstand. I've seen plenty of marriages with problems. I've seen them up close and personal. But I've never seen a marriage problem. The problem isn't with marriage. See, what I see It's individuals with problems who got married. Individuals with problems who got married. And what kind of problems? Well, problems from your past. Issues, habits, wrong ways of thinking. All of these things manage to get into your marriage. They creep in. It's like a sneaky little kid on Christmas Eve. Sneaks into your presence and unravels the future. And I think I know why that happens. Because we haven't dealt with our pasts. So here's the big reveal for today. A big reason that people have so much difficulty within a marriage is the fact that people walk into that marriage believing a myth. And no, I do not have a lisp. I am pronouncing that correctly. A myth. And that myth is the myth of the right one. The right one. Here it is. If I marry the right one, everything will be all right. Together, say it with me. If I marry the right one, everything will be all right. Please use air quotes, people. We're trying to go deep. But do you get it? Many people married thinking that if they found the right one, the rest would take care of itself. As long as I find that right person, my soulmate, that one person that God has picked out for me, then everything will be all right and everyone would live happily ever after because they found true love. Except the problem is that in real life, people don't always live happily ever after. And why not? Because the person that they married thought the same thing. They thought, if I marry the right person, everything will be okay. And what they didn't know is, prepare for a lot of air quotes here, that while they were looking for the right one, thinking that when I meet the right one, everything will be all right, the right one was doing the same thing. And they didn't know it. So the other person they met was looking for the right one. And these two people who are looking for the right one meet each other. And they think, oh, I've met the right one. The other person's also saying, I've met the right one. And everything's going to be all right. But it's not all right. Because they're expecting the other person to carry the load of the work that relationships require. And so this creates a very important question for us. How do the right ones out there know they've met the right ones. And here come the biggest air quotes, because this is what our culture tells us, chemistry. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, the world of chemistry. Let's get kids interested in STEM. So chemistry, you know, we just talk for hours, and all I think about is him, and I can't stop thinking about her, and I just can't keep my mind off him, and he can't keep his mind and other things off me, and all of these... (laughs) All of these different things. We just have such good chemistry. You know, it's just chemistry. There's chemistry. And so everything has become about chemistry. I don't want to minimize the fact that chemistry does matter. But there has to be more. I can think of when I was newly single. And it was New Year's Eve. I was visiting family in Florida. And um, a group of us were going to go spend a fun New Year's Eve at Bush Gardens. It's a theme park. We were going to go, you know, ride roller coasters and listen to music and all of that stuff. And what happened was everybody except one other person bailed out. So it was just myself and her. So next thing you know, I'm on a date on New Year's Eve. You know the pressure. The New Year's Eve pressure. It's a terrible thing because what? You're supposed to kiss somebody at midnight. Who came up with that? So much pressure. So we're having a good time and we're listening to music and then everybody counts down and they start playing Auld Lang Syne and there's literal, actual fireworks in the sky. So, was there chemistry? Yes, there was a lot of chemistry. And did we live happily ever after? Well, look to the woman next to you and say, are you her? And see what happens. Exactly. She's not here. So you see... We rely so much, and if people aren't wise, they feel all of this chemistry, and first they start to think, well, we've got all this chemistry going on, but you know, I would never buy a nice new pair of shoes without trying it on first, or I would never buy a car without kicking the tires and taking a test drive So then all this physicality starts going, and then the sex thing starts happening, all right? And then people start saying, ah, it's the greatest thing in the world because there's so much chemistry. So they're convinced, I've met the right one. And since I've met the right one, everything's going to be all right. But really, the only thing they worked on was the sex, And once that relationship soured, and this is very important, so did the sex. Because it was based on something other than God's plan for sex. It was based on something about meeting our own selfish needs. Rather than expressing love for the person in the context of marriage the way that God created. In truth, these couples that do this, all they really had was the chemistry. No one wants to admit it, but we all have the tendency to say, but it's different for us. It's different for us. It's different because no one has ever loved like we love. And it's true love, so I'm sure God will understand that we're completely going outside of the context He created. And then we wonder why it doesn't work out. Because we've convinced ourselves, yes, it's true love. Thanks, Disney. <clears throat> so they got into this relationship, and all of a sudden there's trouble, and then guess what starts to suffer? The chemistry. And so up to this point, it's been so passionate and sexual and apparently awesome, but then suddenly that part of the relationship begins to die. And then the guy is really confused because the guy thinks, well, if we have more sex, we'll fix it. Because that's how a guy's brain works, too. And the girls are like, no, wait, that's not how it works. And all of a sudden, there's all this tension and there's this confusion. And it's like, oh, it's this one-of-a-kind love that we're going to have forever. And suddenly, the very thing that was holding that together, the chemistry is starting to die because they're no good at relationship. Because they believed the right one myth. If I meet the right one, everything's going to be all right. They didn't know how to do a long-term relationship. They only knew how to do the physical part. But here's the good news. Here's the great news. It does not have to be this way. It can be great. To get there, I think we have to, and this is, this is important, write it down. I think you have to change your approach. Finding the right one versus becoming the right one. Becoming more important than seeking the right one. Listen, I like seeking. I like hide and go seek. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. That's why we're a seeker church. But when it comes to the desires of our heart, listen to Jesus' words about seeking. This is Matthew 6.33. It's at the top of your outline. Jesus says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. So that's what we seek first, his kingdom and his righteousness. Because if we seek people first, we inevitably start to change ourselves to attract the person we are seeking. It reminds me of a story of a girl who was in my high school ministry when I was growing up, and you know, she was a good girl. She was very sweet, and she pretty much dated every guy in the high school ministry, you know, except one, and finally she said, hey, I've been a good girl long enough, so she started to change herself because she wanted to attract a different type of guy, and so About a year later, after several heartaches because of bad decisions, she decided she wanted a good guy again. But none were responding to her. And one night she tearfully asked one of our female leaders, she said, why don't any of these guys like me? And that leader, who was very sweet and very gentle but very honest, said to her, sweetheart, A guy like that is not looking for a girl like you. I know, that seems really harsh, but it is tough love. It's honesty, because when it comes to finding the right person, if we change ourselves to attract the person we're interested in, then who are we anymore? Who have we become? Isn't our identity as a human being, and if you're a believer, your identity in Christ, isn't that so much more than just portraying yourself as someone else to attract someone. Now, when it comes to finding the right person, I'm afraid the Bible doesn't offer a lot of help. It does say that the person that you should pursue should be a believer. But when it comes to becoming the right person, the Bible has a lot to say. None of this should come as a surprise to us because God created relationships and he created you for relationship. That's how God designed all of us. Believe it or not, God even created sex. (gasps) I know, but it's true. So you were created with this desire to be loved and wanted and desired and respected and adored and cherished. All of those things, we want those things. And we all love our moms, but let's face it, mom's love doesn't cover this. Because you were created to hear, I love you with all my heart. I think you're the greatest. I'm so attracted to you. I wouldn't want to do anything to hurt you. I adore you. I want our kids to be like you. You were created to hear something like, I'm forever yours faithfully. I know, it's the the 80s. It just comes out. So how do we seek out the right one? We don't. We seek God first and we become the right one and trust God for the rest. So that's what we need to work on, becoming, not seeking. We singles should look in the mirror. We should look in the mirror and ask, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? I need to look in the mirror and say, Mike, are you the person that the person you're looking for is looking for? That is what we can have some control over. So now let's get practical. We're going to consult the definitive guide for love because I think doing this will make our relationships better now. And then if you're not married, once you do get married, I even believe it will make the chemistry and the sex part better later. But in order for this to work, we have to allow God to change us. We must give more attention to the becoming than we do to the pursuit and the online profile and the photoshopping of our pictures and the dressing up. So if you're ready, this is our list of what we need to be. And good news, married people. This part absolutely applies to you as well. So we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 13. This is the love chapter in the Bible. If you've ever been to a wedding, I'm pretty sure these passages will be familiar. But it's about true, godly, unconditional love. This applies to dating, it applies to marriage, it applies to raising kids, dealing with friends and coworkers, even dealing with restaurant servers, everything. Except maybe driving on 880. I don't know if it applies to that. I'm still praying about that part. So on your outline, feel free to write anything that stands out to you helpful next to each of these statements. Here we go. First, love is patient. We've heard this before. Love is not pushy. Love waits on the other person. Love pushes me to give you more time. Even in the bathroom in the morning. Yes, it's true. Wouldn't it be great to date a patient person? Wouldn't it be great to be married to a patient person? Well, here's what you can work on. Be a patient person. Let God change you. The next one is that love is kind. Love is considerate. As a single man, I have, I've become convinced that kindness is a trait that our culture doesn't value anymore because it equates kindness with weakness, but that should not be because it takes a strong person to be kind. We're so worried about coolness, I have to be cool, so we sort of detach ourselves from people and don't worry about what's important to them. That takes away our kindness and the problem is that if we don't treat people with kindness, we're more apt to allow those people to treat us with unkindness because we consider it normal. Love does not envy It allows the other person to shine. If I truly love someone, then I'm not threatened by her success. I want to celebrate her accomplishments with her. Where envy says, I don't feel good about myself, so nobody around me can feel good about themselves either. But love doesn't do that. Love does not boast, and it is not proud. See, when we love someone we're not focused on ourselves. We're focused on treating that person in the absolute best way possible. We're focused on doing things that reflect the kindness and the love that we feel for them. Even opening doors. I know that's become kind of a thing you're not supposed to do anymore, but I'm going to keep doing it. Now you might be thinking, Mike, um, so what you're describing so far doesn't really sound like the most exciting date you know, being kind and patient and all of those things. Okay, well, here's one that I really strive for when I'm spending time with someone who I care about, and that is that love does not dishonor others. Love doesn't behave disgracefully or dishonorably or indecently or anything that would cause the other person to have regrets. Single ladies. Wouldn't it be great to go out on a date not having to worry about how the night's going to end? Hold on, let me be fair. Single guys, wouldn't it be great to go out on a date and not have to worry about how the night's going to end? Because let's not pretend this is a one-sided thing. You know, to not have to worry about, hey, why is that person offering to buy me a drink? Why is that person offering to buy me another drink? What's going on here? To not have to worry about that. Guys and girls, do you know how unique you will be if you make up your mind right up front before any kind of dating activity that you're not going to do anything that would dishonor the other person? You would be so rare. I know this is true because I've been told how rare it is. And finally, love is not self-seeking. Love is not being about, I'm on the lookout to get what I want, but instead what God wants. You see, these are the things we can work on becoming rather than always working on the pursuing to find the right one. Now, single people, married people, wouldn't you say that that list of things from Corinthians that describes love, wouldn't you say that those things are challenging? that they are not necessarily easy to do, that they kind of conflict with human nature. They sound kind of difficult. To be perfectly honest, I have to tell you, a lot of married people I know would tell me, you know, that love is patient, love is kind stuff. I thought that would all come naturally once I found the right one. So they didn't really make the effort to become the right one. They thought it would just all come naturally. And so... Because they thought their partners would be perfect and have all of this 1 Corinthians 13 stuff down, well, now they have to work extra hard at it because they weren't prepared for it themselves. Either that or maybe they just bail out. So yes, it's difficult, but it's not as difficult as getting married and being unprepared for it. So I'm going to start to wrap up. First of all, remember, if you're here, And you are married. Being single can be difficult and painfully lonely. So please include your single friends when you can. Third wheel syndrome is real. I know. And I don't want to skim over this too quickly because there are a lot of people out there who are forgotten and sitting home on Friday and Saturday nights. And I'll I'll tell you, the silence can become deafening. This affects me quite regularly. And let me tell you, so my married friends, the single people that you know, I can assure you that they are so tired of sitting there wondering what's wrong with me. Why have I not been able to find someone yet? And you might even start to wonder that about them too. You know, they go on lots of dates, but they can't make them stay. It's Taylor Swift syndrome. The other thing I want to include for our married friends here today, please don't believe the lie that the one is out there and that your spouse isn't her or isn't him. Right? I know this is getting real, but this deception makes us restless and we start to believe that the grass is greener over there and that divorce will correct our mistake because we didn't get with the right one that God planned for us. Listen, marriage is not a secure base from which you can go out and start seeking the real right one, okay? That's a lie, and that's pure evil, and your spouse does not deserve to be treated that way. So don't let those thoughts enter your mind. I would even say that that's childish thinking. Look at how Paul finishes the chapter. First Corinthians 13, 11 tells us, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. But when I became a man, an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. See, childhood stories always end with happily ever after. Children's stories ends with the prince and the princess finally getting together. And the terrible lesson is that once they met, the rest is easy. But see, we don't see what happens after the credits roll and two people have to deal with relationship and the challenges and the difficulties and who left the cap off the toothpaste. It's not reality. That's how children think. So my friends, if you're here and you're single and looking or you're married and looking at greener grass, it's time to grow up to quit thinking like a child. It's time to focus on the person you are becoming rather than simply the person that you are pursuing. Please remember this, meeting the right person without first becoming the right person is a recipe for an unhappily ever after ending. So I encourage you, I even challenge you, take this page of your notes, with the passages from 1 Corinthians, take it home. Put it up on your fridge. Put it up on your mirror, somewhere that you can see it. If you're a single person and you're here and you truly desire a spouse, let me assure you, first of all, that I'm not up here speaking from an ivory tower. I'm right here with you, all right? Over the past several years, I've had to learn very difficult lessons about becoming the person rather than constantly seeking the person. And even as I am preparing this message, over the last few weeks I've been working on it. Even then, it's just so easy for me to run into a person and immediately think, could this be the one? It's so deeply ingrained in us. The problem is that I need to focus more on what I can influence with God's help rather than hoping a person I run into might be who I want. I understand these lessons aren't easy. And I do understand that all of this is the complete opposite of what our culture teaches us. But this entire series is going to challenge us to dive in headfirst in an area where our culture saturates us with the opposite message. So my final question today, will you spend your time searching for the right one or becoming the right one? Let's pray. Father, today we gather here before you, both married people and single people, asking you through the power of your love to transform our hearts so that we could become the right one for our spouse, for our future spouse, for all the people in our lives. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.